Bangay is an internationally acclaimed leading Australian garden designer and these are his Garden Rudimentals, a blueprint series on the basics of garden craft. Paul Bangay, it has been months and you're back. I am. Back to beautiful Melbourne, cool, wet weather. Well, it is, yes, it's, it's, it's I'm looking out here and there's, there's the mist of rain out there in the, in the vista we can see from your, your we, kitchen. We call that Denver mist because right through the whole of winter we're shrouded in cloud and mist and, and drizzle and I just absolutely adore it. And the garden is, is tucked back into its sort of winter form. It is, and and um, all the plants have sort of gone that coppery colour they go in the cold weather because we had a very cold start to, to winter this year. And But you can see all the buds swelling now. Like, it's not far. You know, you can feel spring on the way now. We're going to talk, and, and there's an abundance of us right in front of us. Yes. We're going to talk lawn. <laughs> we are today. I mean, I've just come back from, from working in um, Greece, in Corfu in particular, and we have some quite large open spaces we have to work with. And our first reaction was, oh, we fill them with lawn. And then the locals came along and said that um, it would be very much frowned upon if we put lawn in because there's no water. And they don't have very limited water in, in the summertime. And lawns are a big no-no. So it made me start thinking about alternatives to lawn and, and you know, questioning lawn altogether. Because that, that issue is is one which is pertinent to many parts of this country as well. It is. And, and it seems to be all over the world as well. I mean, you know, we'll talk about um, different aspects to lawn, but, you know, not putting lawn in very hot, dry climates and in climates where you have lots of rain and water, like, you know, southern Victoria here up in the mountains or, you know, even in, in the UK or other parts of Europe, um, lawns are completely changing. You know, the, the, the mowen lawn down to a, a millimetre and fertiliser and a big monoculture is really largely disappearing. Because what, I mean, just to talk about that monoculture for a moment, I mean, what does that do to the requirement of those plants, keeping them so short and... <laughs> well, it's a very good question, but I think that, I think that's probably why we've, we've come to grasses to do that because I think, you know, if we think about what's happened to grasses over the, over the millennium, they've been grazed. They've been used to being cutting right down by animals and I suppose that's why we've ended up with grasses as our lawn species. Uh, because it does get clipped quite well. So, what did you do in Corfu? What was your solution? Well, we still haven't we still haven't resolved the solution. Um, we're thinking that we are going to use gravel, like we're going to do more gravel and more. So, you know, I think the the, the good thing, the good news for me about lack of lawns is it means you can have more plants, and I kind of like that. Our little cottage over in the UK, we took out the lawn altogether, completely got rid of it, and planted up. And, and planted it solidly with, with plants and created a lovely terrace. So the terrace became the usable space that we, that we sit on and use. And we use that for, um, you know, dining and sitting and eating and reading and all those sort of things. And the rest became really deep garden beds. Like I'm talking about 20 metre deep beds. I guess the, the argument people make in favour of lawn against that the, the sort of planting as a, you know, your outdoor space is 
This is where the kids run around. This is, you know, where you play, where you have a game of backyard cricket, which you can't do when it's played enough. This will be the death of Australian cricket, Paul. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Maybe we... I know. And this, and this, I don't think that this solution has been thought through completely. You know, that, that is always the counter-argument. And it's a very good argument. What, how do we use our gardens recreationally for, for those sort of sports? But I'm finding increasingly people are putting in mini recreational um, sporting fields. And so that might be a half basketball court or just a space, I mean, where people can sort of hit a ball up against or run around and ride their bikes on. But it's usually, and I hate this more than anything, um, consisting of synthetic turf. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A big no-no. I must say it is a big no environmentally because it um, retains heat, which is never good. You know, even on a hot day, running around on bare feet is not good, but it's very good for recreational use. So, you know, if if, if we're thinking about how kids can use the garden, that might be the answer of tucking a little area like that into the garden and getting rid of the lawn. And I guess the the thing too that is is changing is is the size of blocks, the sort of space that people are working with in any event. Correct. Yeah, so the blocks are getting a lot smaller. I mean, the, the whole idea of having a tennis court, you know, has sort of disappeared because you can't fit them in anymore. Um, so that's why we're downsizing these sort of half courts and, and half basketball courts. But, I mean, if you've got a very small block, the last thing you really want is a lawn. Like, you know, so and, and, a, and a lovely, really good alternative is using paving with ground covers in between. So you get the best of both worlds. So you get this wonderful sort of creeping time or dichondra or something like that uh, creeping between the pavers. So you get the green space, but a usable space at the same time. And with the sort of plants you mentioned there, they're, they're not going to require that, that care the, the, or the water intensity that a lawn will. No, I mean, time and, I mean, dichondra needs a little bit of water, but uh, time. You can almost go without watering altogether. It likes it hot and dry. It likes a Turkish hillside. It, likes it, it does, an Iranian and Turkish hillside, exactly. <laughs> Very good plant time. And if you're going to use time, you've got to use thymus serphalum, not the normal cooking time, because the thymus serphalum is the one that's very low growing. And that's the other thing too, I suppose, is is a shift in your your domestic recreational space onto terrace or, you know, some sort of hard surface rather than a table on the lawn, you can, you know, you can still have a place to graze and play outside. Yeah, that's right. And 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 we're talking about downsizing. I mean, it's interesting. We're doing lots of rooftops now mm-hmm. and rooftops were just additionally paved or concreted and then we used to put pots on top of it. Now lots of people are saying, well, how can we green the whole space? How can we have a green roof or how can we, you know, put a little low ground covers and just have pavers going through it? So we're sort of mimicking what's happening down on the ground and we're, we're finding we're doing a, quite a lot of that which is wonderful. Well, and if not lawn, what about grasses? Because that's a different thing. You mean ornamental grasses? Well, ornamental or in this country sort of native grasses that, that yeah. you know, are resistant to the climate? Well, well, that's, I mean, that's, so the whole idea of, say, we say we're looking at a space and we're thinking what we're going to put in there and we're thinking, well, let's be sustainable about this and, and, and not do lawn. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really favouring putting gravel down, not putting a, a, anything underneath it and planting into the gravel. And so you're getting sort of these plants coming out of the gravel. And ornamental grasses are really great at growing through gravel. 
um, some of the miscanthus, the poas, which are the native ones, penicetums, will grow beautifully through through the gravel and give you the feeling of, you know, grass or lawn, but not requiring much water and, and requiring zero maintenance almost. And you say nothing beneath it because people would instantly think, okay, some kind of weed barrier yes. under that, that gravel. Yes, it's the curse of my life, that weed barrier. <laughs> when, <laughs> when you come to renovate something that's just full of no, black plastic. It always manages to find its way to the surface somewhere in the garden and this little lip of black appears up in the gravel and then you start pulling and it's like a thread and it pulls the whole jumper apart. Like, you know, the whole thing starts coming out from underneath the gravel. It never seems to really work. How then do you counter the intrusion of, of things from beneath? Um, down on your hands and knees and that. Right. <laughs> because you really want to plant in there. I mean, you want to plant thyme in there, you want to plant perennials in there, you want to plant natives in there. Like, you want to be able to plant into this medium and then cover it with the gravel. And the gravel is a great mulch. Like, it's really keeping the moisture in. What sort of gravel are we talking about? Little pea gravel, like, you know, little pea gravel, like 10 millimetre river gravel, you know, little round gravel, or granitic sand. We quite often use granitic sand, which is very fine. Granitic sand, not so good. It does bring, get brought inside on your shoes, which can be a bit of a pain. But it's what the French would typically use out on their big terraces where they put the tables and chairs out. Petonk. On a baton court, on a boche court, exactly. That's exactly what they're made from. And that, well, that's the thing too. Is I mean, how are this how is the surface going to respond in all conditions and in all weathers is a, is a consideration. And gravel is very good at that. Good in the heat and good in the good in the wet. It's great drainage. So if you've got drainage issues, you know, it just lets the water sort of slowly percolate in, in, into the ground, which is fantastic. And it's in in. There's a sort of looseness in what you're describing there too, isn't there, yes. with with things popping out of it and, and yes. we begin to lose the edges, the, yes. the, the, the boundaries soften. Yes, and we've talked about this, how wildness is, you know, sort of becoming more and more popular. In fact, if anyone looked at what the garden that won the Chelsea Flower Show this year is very controversial because it was a, a beaver habitat. And so it was just a copy of a river. Is that, is that a Bloomsbury thing? <laughs> Almost. <laughs> We won't go there. It's like <laughs> it was a habitat where beavers live and it was just a direct copy of a stream. And so a lot of people said, well, is that really garden design? We just copied exactly what nature's doing. That's but, a good question, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very good question. I think it is because there's a lot of skill in doing To in recreate that. To recreate that. I mean, it wasn't a carbon copy. It, you know, it came out of someone's mind, but they were deeply influenced by what's happening in nature. Wow. I'm just imagining now sort of all the, the phones ringing in garden designers all over Britain, people wanting beaver habitat. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have one beaver habitat, please. <laughs> but, but that's but wilding is, of course, you know, that, that's the antithesis of, of the manicured lawn. It is, completely, yeah. And, and in fact, they have something what they call no-mow maize now. So the big thing is not to mow your lawn in May. So it gives you that sort of wild, wilder look to your lawns. Which, which is another thing, that, that, that idea of a, a meadow perhaps rather than lawn. Yeah, meadows. Meadows are very difficult to do in Australia, I think. I mean, a lot of people, are, and, and, and we haven't quite got there yet. The problem is that the grass grows too fast in Australia. It grows faster than the flowers will grow. And so it tends to overtake. And because of our dry summers, they don't do so well. So unfortunately, meadows we haven't quite mastered in this country yet. This is your thinking uh, around lawn and, and yeah. wanting as a designer to sort of move away from that, but the clientele? The clientele, there's great resistance. <laughs> Some people are happier. I mean, like you said, if, we, if we've scaled right down to inner city, mm. it's very easy. When you get to a medium-sized garden, it's more difficult to convince people to do that. But... If we want to have lawns, there are alternatives. Like okay. there's different types of lawns that don't need so much work. 
Zoysia, it's a good name, isn't it, is a type of grass that doesn't need much mowing and not much water, and that's becoming increasingly popular. And in fact, in Greece, they said, if you really, really, really have to have that lawn, we'll, we'll, we'll try a Zoysia lawn. Where's that from? I don't know where Zoysia is from. No, I don't, I don't know the, the, the genesis of Zoysia, but um, it, 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 you can almost go without mowing it completely, and it can still walk on it. It goes a little bit lumpy and bumpy, which I kind of like the look of, so it's not manicured, but it does look like a normal lawn. Okay. Any other <laughs> well, buffalo alternatives? We've got our buffaloes and our kaikuyus, which need very little. I mean, a kaikuyu grass, which is a is a curse, really, because it just runs everywhere. But mm. large-scale sort of big country gardens sometimes thrive on zoysia lawns because they just, as soon as you get a little bit of rain, they come back green again, and they're really tough. I mean, the kakai, kakuyu, thank you. I mean, that's not to be entered into lightly. No, definitely not, no. I mean, it's usually if you've already got it. Once you've got it, you can never get rid of it. Mm. But, you know, if, you, if you're talking about an acre of lawn, it, it is a, it's probably a good choice. Okay. But, yes, if anything smaller, you will you'll find it, it becomes very quickly yes. the dominant species. It, it, it definitely does, to your garden beds as well as your lawn <laughs> spaces. <laughs> Buffalo might be better. Buffalo lawns are sort of tougher and they don't run but they're quite coarse to, to walk on. That, you know, that's always the, 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 the disadvantage to them. Are people, people digging them up? Yes, lots of people are digging lawns up. Yeah, lots of people are getting rid of lawns. It's definitely a trend. Possibly to be encouraged, I think. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> to be encouraged. <laughs> I mean, we're all sort of all inundated in Australia with rain at the moment, so it's sort of hard to think this way, isn't it? So but it will turn around soon. Well, and, and if, if you are thinking, well, I don't want to encourage this behaviour, but if you are thinking lawn, now is probably the time to be making those preparations. That's right, exactly. And, and I guess the other thing to think about is if you do really want lawn, thinking about an alternative water source, like, you know, should you be putting tanks in to, to, to look after that lawn in, in future years? Thinking through what it is that you're planting and taking responsibility for the things it'll consume. Exactly. I mean, sustainability is one of the big key questions now to garden design. What are the big winter jobs here at Stonefields? What's, what's on the agenda? Lots of, lots of pruning. All, all the perennials get cut back. All the roses get cut back. A um, lot of pruning. I mean, the grass doesn't grow, so n no mowing. Um, it's, a, it, it's a time of great rest in the garden, but it's also a time to catch up on all those jobs that you can't do in summer growth season. In a funny way, too, it's sort of a time of revelation, isn't it, of, of seeing the, the yeah. true essence of what's uh, there. I absolutely love it because, you know, I like you can see the architecture of the garden, you can see the skeleton of the garden, and, you know, you, you get quite inspired because you can see what you need to do with it's not being disguised by the, the sort of fuzziness of, the, of all the perennials and flowers. Paul, thank you. We'll be back next month. We're talking designy things next yes. month. How to employ a garden designer. <laughs> Splendid idea. Paul Bangay, garden designer and, and friend of the program. Don't forget his garden rudimentals are gathered for you at the ABC Listen app. The entire collection, check them out. This is Blueprint, ABC RN. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.